At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Unstoppable, Bound in His Love, Freed by His Spirit, where we're journeying through what many call the greatest chapter in the Bible, Romans 8, to uncover a more lasting force than hard work and a more enduring purpose than momentary success. I want you to know that today is the last day of October, October 31st. That is what the calendar reads. Just a little public service announcement for you today. That does mean that in our culture there will be little knocks on the door of your home this evening because there will be many kids dressed up looking for candy, looking for treats. October 31st, that's the day. I want you to know that for the Christian, October 31st should be a day that we mark our calendars for a very different reason, a very different reason. It is, and I'm not exaggerating, a day that changed the world. October 31st is, in fact, a day that changed the world, specifically October 31st, 1517. That is the day that a young monk by the name of Martin Luther. He grabbed a hammer and took what is known as 95 thesis or points of discussion and he nailed them to the door of a church in Wittenberg, Germany. Now that was a bold action. But what Martin Luther did not know is that in that moment what he was doing would in fact change the entire world. He was simply seeking to bring change within the context of the church to have a discussion because he felt like the church had moved off of some key doctrinal truths. And unintentionally, he began a movement that changed the church and the world forever. For those of you who are familiar with that story, that is what is called the Protestant Reformation. And that's why followers of Christ call today, October 31st, Reformation Sunday. Now at the root, at the root of that Reformation were many things, 95 of them to be exact. And yet there was, at its core, At its foundation, one simple and significant spiritual truth that became an unstoppable force, an unstoppable reality that has not only changed the church and changed the culture, but it has changed men, women, and children for centuries. You say, well, pastor, what is that truth? It sounds pretty great, doesn't it? I mean, I kind of want to know what that, what that truth is all about. I'd like to know. I'd like to have an insight into what you're talking about. We're going to get there. And I'm going to tell you the truth is unstoppable and it will change your life as it changes my life as well. It's a powerful and significant truth that we're going to be looking at today, and it comes from a very significant portion of God's Word. We as a church stand upon the truth of the Scriptures. We make no apologies for that. Some would even joke it is our middle name. See what I did there? Woodside Bible Church. 
Oh, come on. <laughs> Work with me a little. But I'm serious about that. It is the foundation for who we are and for what we believe. And many people will say that what we're digging into over the course of the next few weeks is the most significant chapter in all of the scriptures. So I want us to pause and recognize the weightiness of what we're digging into this morning. And we need to come before God humbly. So would you pray with me? Holy God, righteous Lord, we come before you today a humble people, a people who are submitting to the truth of your word. God, we acknowledge that today, that we stand upon and submit to the reality and the truth of your word. God, as a minister of the gospel, I am humbled by the opportunity that I have today to open the scriptures and to unpack and try to, to communicate the deep truths of this message to your people. God, I pray for each and every one of us, myself included, that you would speak through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes to this truth, that you would open our ears to the reality and the significance of what we're looking at today. And may it change our life. God, we pray that you would use this text, the power of what is communicated in this word, by the power of your spirit, that you would use it to change us today. We ask this humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, White Lake family, since Labor Day weekend... Since Labor Day weekend, we have been working through, we've been on a journey in the heart of Paul's letter. You know, when we say Paul's letter, most of us would say when we open our Bibles, that is the book of Romans. And what we've been experiencing and what I hope that you have experienced as you've read on your own, as you have participated in what we're doing here on a Sunday morning, uh, it is my hope that you have seen that Romans 5, 6, and 7 is so theologically rich so gospel-centered that it does, in fact, have words that change the way we live. That's the foundation of our faith. For week after week after week, I have stood on the stage and I said, These, the desire that Paul has here is that, that I could establish the foundational truths of our faith. That is Paul's desire. You've heard me say that phrase over and over and over again. These are foundational truths for our faith. That's the book of Romans. I've done that because what we're reading is the foundation of your life and mine as a follower of Christ. It truly is that. What Paul is highlighting for every single one of us is that foundation. What we are examining shapes the way we think, how we engage with it with our head. It shapes the way we love God and the way we love others that molds and shapes our heart. And then it, it shapes the way we serve and care about others. 
We practice that with our hands. If you've been here at Woodside any length of time, you have heard me reference these things, head, heart, and hands on a number of occasions. You know that that's what I believe for every Christ follower. We will live out our faith with our head, with our heart, and then it will pour out through our hands as our thoughts are influenced by God and His Word. Our love for God and for His people will be shaped by it. And our humble service to God, to Him, for the benefit of others. You see, all of this happens when you and I know and believe and live out the truths of what Paul is teaching us in this text for it is from the power of God that helps us be righteous and understand the significance of that righteousness and to live as redeemed men, women, and children. It's there. It's in the text. Now, I want to highlight a couple things as we re-engage with Romans. We took a week off as Pastor Chris led us in a special message to all of our campuses. But today, I want us to kind of just take a quick look back and to give us context for what we're digging into in chapter 8. In chapter 1, Paul establishes the good news. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek. He establishes it right there in chapter 1. But then there's some bad news. Man's sinful heart changes and twists the narrative. In Romans 3, we read these words, none is righteous, no. Not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. All are guilty before a righteous God because of sin. Now, if that's where Paul ended, we would we would be without hope. But thankfully, that isn't where he ends. He keeps going. He doesn't leave us to wallow in our sin and face the difficulties of life without hope. Instead, he offers us great news just a few verses later again in chapter 3. But now, but now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. You can't keep the law, so I'm going to take care of that. The righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. See, the righteousness doesn't come from you. It comes from Him. It comes from Christ. The righteousness before a holy God is received by faith. So believer, if you are in Christ today, you are righteous. You see, it is by God's grace. It's by God's grace through your faith you have been made righteous. 
you've responded to the call of the gospel, if you've responded to that invitation, this is true of you. This is your identity as a follower of Christ. And you say, Pastor, why are you going back so far? Why are you reestablishing that foundation? Because it is absolutely critical for the text that we are looking at today. And I know something else is true. Oftentimes, what I just told you, oftentimes we don't believe that. We believe it when we're here in church on Sunday. Many of you might even say, amen. You believe it here, but it's lost on you once you hit the grind of Monday morning. Once you've poured that coffee in the cup, you've screwed on the top, you're walking out the door, a lot of what I just told you from the text is lost on you. Because that's when struggles come. That's when temptation comes. That's when we respond in ways that don't bring honor to God. That's when the shame and the guilt, they start to creep in, don't they? And if we're honest, if we're honest with ourselves and if we're honest with others and our brothers and sisters in faith, we are often left wondering how in the world can that be true when I struggle as I do? How can it be true? Thankfully, Paul gives us Romans 8. So let me encourage you to grab your Bibles. We're going to turn to Romans 8. We're going to begin with just the first eight verses today. And uh, I want, we're going to work through this over the course of the next five weeks. But today we're looking at verses 1 through 8. So let's read this together as the Apostle Paul gives us some powerful powerful words. There is, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and of death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, well, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit." For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and it is peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Such a powerful and poignant passage for us to unpack a little bit this morning. I love the way this text speaks directly to the hearts and the minds of believers. Believers who are trying to live out our faith in real, tangible, practical ways in the midst of a fallen world. And you know exactly what that's like. Sunday morning is and should be a bit of an oasis for you. But it doesn't have to be. 
It doesn't have to be because what we're going to find in this chapter are three ways that believers can be assured and empowered to live out the truth of the gospel each and every day. You guys ready to dig in, unpack it a little bit? Let's look back at verses 1 and 2. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. I want to highlight that phrase, no condemnation. What do you guys think that means? You guys with me this morning? What what do you think that means? Does it mean there are... There's none, there's zero, there's nada, there's not any condemnation for those who are in Christ. Is that what it means? That's exactly what it means. That is exactly what it means. The problem that you and I have with this text is when we read it, we don't actually believe it. We don't actually believe that it's true of us. We know what's in our hearts. We know what rattles around in our minds. And it seems too good to be true. Do you know the effect of that? Then we live as if it isn't true. We think it can't be true, and so therefore we live as if it isn't true. Now, may I encourage you to do this in the most pastoral way. Stop it. Stop believing that lie. Paul says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means there's no condemnation. Not because of anything you've done, but because of your union with Jesus Christ by faith. By faith. Believer, you have been liberated by the perfect life of Christ, by the sacrificial death and the victorious resurrection of Jesus. You have been liberated in Him. You see, you have been justified in Christ. I can put a bunch of religious-sounding words on that, but the reality is that you have been liberated so that the law and the curse of the law have no hold on you because you were in Christ. The gospel has freed you from the demands of the law, and this shows us the first way that you and I are empowered because in Christ, the Spirit frees us. In Christ, the Spirit frees us to live boldly. I love the way theologian John Stott explains it. He says, it is to be liberated is to give up looking to the law for either our justification or our sanctification. We stop doing that. We stop looking to the law to meet those needs because those things don't come from law-keeping. Those things don't come from that. They come from our union with Jesus Christ by faith. By faith. And that's exactly what Paul means in verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. 
Now, for some of you, it might be, it might be a little bit uh, easy to dismiss what I've just said. You'd say, well, hey, wait a second. Those are, that's a lot of biblical, kind of religious-sounding, pious words that I read in that text and that you're just kind of tossing out there. But if you look more closely, what that text does is it drives us to the person and the work of Jesus in Christ. If you've repented of your sin, if you've acknowledged your need for Him, if you've repented of your sin and you've believed the gospel, God has empowered you with the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit serves as your liberating agent that sets you free from the power of sin and the power of the law in your life. That's what it means that you... As a believer in Christ, you are not under condemnation. You're in Christ. You are free to follow the Spirit's leading each and every day, each and every moment. You have been freed to do that, to walk in the ways of God without fear of condemnation. Church, that should make every single one of us fall to our knees in humble gratitude to our Father. It is so good. Now, I know this might, the illustration might fall a little bit short, but I'm going to give it a try. I have two teenagers. Many of you know this. One of them has a driver's license. The other one, she does not. Now, Bethany is 15. She knows her way around a car. She loves cars and, frankly, is more than ready to start driving. But there's a law in our state, and that law prohibits her from driving until she has passed the necessary requirements for the driver's test and the driver's exam. She is under law when it comes to driving. Now, Reed, on the other hand, is 18 years old. He likes cars too. There's a big difference between Reed and between his younger sister. Reed has taken the driver's test. He has been freed. He's been empowered by the state to legally drive a vehicle. One has not been freed, one has been freed. When it comes to driving, one is under law, while the other has been freed and empowered. Believer, if you were in Christ today, there is no condemnation. You are free in Jesus. Now, let's return to our text. Let's pick it up at verse 3. We're going to look at verses 3 and 4. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit." Paul makes very clear in this text that God sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to be a sin offering, to be an atonement, to condemn the flesh. God judged your sins and my sins 
through the sinless humanity of Christ. And this helps you and I see the second way that we can live empowered lives because in Christ, God condemns sin. By the blood of Jesus, God has condemned sin. So let me be clear. Sin is condemned rather than the sinner in Christ. I'm going to say that again. Sin is condemned rather than the sinner if you are in Jesus Christ. Jesus took the judgment that you and I deserved. That's what He did for you. He loves you that much that He put all the sin and all the shame and all the junk and all the stuff, He put that upon His Son. He loves His people so deeply that He wants you to walk in freedom. He wants you to walk in the newness of life. This is one of the most powerful truths, I think, about being a follower of Jesus. And some of you who've been in the church will will struggle with what I'm going to say, but I want want you to listen very carefully. The most mature believers that I know are the ones who are not all wound up in rules and regulations. I'm going to say that again. The most mature believers I know are the ones who are not all wound up in rules and regulations, but instead they live in the peace of God that they have received in Jesus Christ. That means they think and they talk and they live with humble obedience to God and to His ways because of the tremendous peace they have because they know who they are in Jesus. It is not Jesus plus your works. That is not it. It is Jesus. Period. Whenever I'm around somebody like that, who thinks and talks and lives in that kind of humble, peaceable way, I always think, man, I want to spend more time with them. I want to be like them. I want to experience the fullness of what they have and what they know and what they experience in their life in Christ. Because what they're experiencing is the the assuredness and the empowerment of God in their life. Now, if you want to know and experience this, this peace, it's not rooted in some law-based religious requirement. I want to be very clear about that. All God asks of you and of me is to come to Him in repentance and faith. To say, God, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. I'm a mess cleanse me from the inside and it will flow to the outside. I believe in what Jesus did for me. That's what it means to be in Christ. If you've never experienced that sort of freedom, 
If you were sitting here today and you'd say, Pastor, I have been going through this kind of religious motion for much of my adult life, maybe ever since I was a little kid and I didn't, I've never heard what you're talking about. I don't know that for myself. I don't know that experience. I want you to know that today you can be free. You can be free when you come to Him and surrender it all and lay it all down for Him to set you free. For many of us here today, what I've just talked about, you have. I know that to be true. I know that there is no condemnation for me because of Christ, and yet I struggle to live it out. Well, what can we do about that? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us in those final verses. So let's turn back to uh, Romans 8, pick it up at verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, well, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. What Paul does is he helps us see a clear distinction First, you have those who walk in the freedom that they have in Christ. They're empowered by the Spirit. Next, in contrast, he sets it up and he says, well, those who are walk under the power of their fleshly desires. Make no mistake, those are two opposite ends, opposite directions that Paul is highlighting in this text. When you walk in the Spirit of God, your thoughts your prayers, your actions, your desires are for God and for His ways to be done in your life and through your life. When we walk in the flesh, our focus is consistently on ourselves on my desires, on my wants, on my ambition, on my lust, on my pride. Those are the things that fuel you. Those are the things that drive you each and every day. And that's the contrast that helps us see the third and final way that you and I in Christ can live assured and empowered lives. Because in Christ, our mind is centered upon holiness. In Jesus, our mind is focused on the things of God. According to the Apostle Paul, there were two words in that phrase, in that section of text that we just looked at. Two words that highlight the mind of the believer. He says they are life and peace. Life and peace. So let me ask you today, does that mark your life? When you sit here this morning, does that in fact mark your life? When someone sees you, they would say, man, that guy is shining the light of life. He is filled with joy. He's always filled with life. 
that young woman, she is so peaceful. Every time I see her, there's just no stress in her life. She just has a a deep-seated peace about everything in spite of her circumstances. If you were in Christ this morning, life and peace should be visible in your life and in mine. They should be visible to everyone around us. Because when you and I live according to the Spirit, our lives are not driven by self-centered desires and self-centered goals. Instead, when we are led by the Spirit of the living God, our lives will be marked by the things of God. They will be marked by holiness. Amen. Let's pray together. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.